0: A 17-17 game goes south in a hurry as the Bears fall 17-24 to in the Superdome, two and seven on the season in a game with, that leaves us with plenty to talk about. Nick and I are gonna break down the ups, the downs, the ins, and the outs of this one on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Bear with Us, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, editor in chief of the Bears blog. Here with Nick Whalen of Football Guys, that aims to delve just a little deeper into the team that we love so much. Nick, how are you feeling after this one? <laughs> uh, it was a little range of
1: emotions today, from surprising to we suck to
0: our defense is isn't bad to Okay, expected we lost. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's so funny because this game involves such a hefty range of emotions. I mean, there's got to be at least one fan out there in the world right now that sat down at noon ready to roll, and said, okay, okay, I gotta leave at about 2 p.m., so I should catch the first two-thirds of this game, and then I'll just find out what happened later, and they were telling their friends about how well Tyson Bajit was playing, and maybe, maybe he's gonna replace Justin Fields, checks the score later, and finds out, oh, no, oh, no, he's not, (laughs) and I mean, there's a lot more to talk about than that, because I don't mean to bring up something so polarizing so callously, but it was wild. Watching this Bears team go blow for blow with a better Saints team than them. And that's a good defense and an offense with some guys on it. Chris Olave's on that team. We all love Chris Olave because we've watched Justin Fields' highlights forever. So Mm -hmm. suddenly, it's 17-17, well after the first half. And then, Nick, we can't move the ball forward. What happened? What do you feel like changed, if anything?
1: Um, I think Bajan stopped running because I thought his his ability to extend really helped this game. Um, that's one thing. that's that's I mean, throwing and him running that aspect of it. The other thing I thought that they did, I counted at least four times. Maybe it's more than that. we There was a clear direction of running the football where, hey, this direction is good. We're getting positive yards, four, five, nine yard runs. And this way, we're getting zero or one. And going to the left, of Braxton Jones slash Larry Borum slash Cody Whitehair side, not good. Going the other way is really good. And they kept the later in the game. There, there was at least four or
0: five runs going left, and it was zero one yard. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? Did you see that too? I did, and it was so funny because there's one play in particular where I thought Braxton Jones pancaked his man just about as badly as Tevin Jenkins had pancaked his man early in the first quarter, and that's fist up for you, Tev, because you were playing phenomenal ball, but... Cody Whitehair didn't get his guy and Lucas Patrick didn't get his guy. And the two scraped over the top and ruined a decent kickout block by the tackle. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm not about to sit here and stand for Braxton Jones, but the pockets pretty clean all day up until the very end of the game. And I got to think that having number 70 back gave us a glimpse into what we hope the future of this bears offensive line looks like. And Nick, I, I actually thought it was pretty exciting. The young offensive line mm-hmm. core has a lot to offer, but I don't know. What? Do you feel like I'm getting out too ahead of myself? Well, no, so, so question for you there. So they rotated Borum
1: and Braxton Jones. Yes. And I don't know if that was... Because Jones, you know, maybe not have the
0: stamina or oh, whatever Oh, come on, reason. Nick. You got to be used to it by now. This is now the second time this season, and they did this last year too, where for some reason they take a position that everybody in football knows you set it, you forget it. You let the guy pick a spot, play the whole game, get into a lather, play with the unit. But no, not these Bears. Not these Bears well, well, Okay,
1: so that, that, that's exactly my point. Okay, so let, let's bring this in closer here. Okay. All right, it's 2417. You need a drive, okay? <laughs> and and you're you're undrafted Frisian rookie corrects back there. Who do you want at left tackle? Do you want the guy that's proven to be, what, well, last year PFF had him what top 20 left tackle. He's done well <laughs> this year or do you want Larry Borm at left tackle? Mmm, let's go Larry Borm strip sack.
0: Like Come on. Exactly, right? Where it's like, there are plenty of people. I saw some, uh, like some folks that I know that were like, oh man, Larry Borm's having a tough game out there. And I was like, maybe, or or not not Borm, people were blaming it on Braxton. It's like, maybe, but 75's up there a lot. <laughs> like, I'm not doing a great job tracking. And I bet plenty of people aren't either, but the tape will show a lot of things. Focusing a little more on Bajan. Okay, so in my opinion, this was a great example game. So look, Nick, I hate to say something that sounds really wet blanket so early in the pod, but I was amazed at how little emotion this game left me with. Not like apathy either. Just un- I-, I wasn't even really all that disappointed. Maybe a little, but I guess the, the expression would be like disappointed, but not surprised. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a rookie quarterback. It's a rookie UDFA quarterback with very little real practice. This is a quarterback who didn't learn the first team offense until probably week three, maybe week four of the NFL season because he was focused for a while there on being a backup and a scout teamer. And they literally rep different pieces of the playbook. like And also learning to be an NFL player. Yeah, I mean, NFL windows are hard, and Tyson mm-hmm. Bajant's arm is, it, it is not this like puny noodle, everybody when we talk about arm strength suddenly turns this into like, oh well, come on, what do you think? That he can't even like throw his car keys across to the room to his wife or something like that? It's like, no. Obviously he can throw the football, but just Has someone said that Is that example. No, I but like, I made that I'd up love on the spot. To read that as the example. Like
1: wow, that's a weak arm. You
0: can't even throw across the room. I, I remember uh, reading that. Have you seen that legendary like NFL offensive lineman's response to his Madden rating? You know what I'm talking no. about? Holy smokes. I'll have to send it to you later. Embarrassments. If you haven't read this thing, Google that. Like NFL. It's like an NFL backup lineman writing an open letter to the Madden people about the fact that he got graded at 68. And it is outstandingly funny. But so, anyways, um, back to Bajan. The problem is, is that when it comes to NFL, like, NFL throwing arms, hitting your window early becomes that much more important when your Mm -hmm. arm strength isn't phenomenal. And what does it look like when you throw to a spot late? Well, it looks like you threw it behind somebody, doesn't it, Nick? And we had two of those interceptions on what looked like Beijing progressing from read one to read two. We like this. And then throwing either off target or with rookie timing. That's the word I want to keep hammering, Nick. Is like mm-hmm. these are normal rookie things. These are very normal rookie things. Like mm-hmm. very normal young quarterback issues, very normal, frankly, n- not the biggest arm issues when it comes to quarterbacks. And a lot of them came home to roost. Defenses don't normally catch them all either. Can can I am I allowed to say that? Well like, that's why they're playing defense, right? <laughs> right. It's and so It's a huge bummer for Bajan that all the issues showed up at once in the third and fourth quarter when all the eyes were on him. But I can't say it was shocking and unexpected. Like, this is what rookie quarterbacks do, especially backup rookie quarterbacks. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. and I mean,
1: the first half was almost the more surprising thing. And it's not because we don't like Tyson Bajan. I think we both do. But I think we just know to temper our expectations a little bit. Um, I mean, the first half, I mean, three scoring drives is what I will call them because even if it is a missed field goal, they move the ball 53 yards into territory to score. Oh, yeah. So three out of four against the top, I would call 10 defense is amazing. They were cooking. And, go ahead.
0: And nothing I was just, what, adding on. I said yeah, they were cooking. And,
1: yeah, no, yeah, they were cooking. And so when, when I look at the, the the total yards you said i mean the first half you know cooking in the second half that wasn't you know they had 280 yards in four drives seriously in the second half i mean it's hold on here one two three four five six seven drives they had 88 yards like it is night and day difference and yeah throwing late is part of it um because in the first half both touchdowns he had some great touch, right? Throwing it into some of those spots. And because when you saw Peyton Manning late in his career, it was very different than Peyton Manning early in his career, late in his career. He had to like loft and put it into spots. And in that big anticipation, it was a very different Peyton Manning. And that's kind of where Bayesian's at right now, because he's, he's still confused. It's an NFL game. It's smaller windows. Players are faster. He's still getting used to Mooney and more and everyone else. And his arm strength isn't as good as it was in college in comparison to other guys. So yeah, some of these throws are behind, but I mean, I'm still fairly impressed with him in terms of like his creativity, his, I mean, buying, I mean, he has such like a, a calmness about him, like scrambling pumping and then running or scrambling. Then Nope. Now I'm going to suck a guy and then throw it to my swing over here. Like, He has some of those things, but late in the game, you could just see like he, it wasn't working and I saw some rotation things that hadn't confused and he got some sacks. So he's, I mean, for a UDFA rookie, he's
0: playing well, but he's still a rookie and has room to grow. In the world of process versus results, I can't help but believe every player, every football player gets a certain amount of time where what we care about is the process. And then we care about the results, right? And this changes for every player and it changes all the time. For instance, with how well the the Ravens are playing, if the Ravens turned over next week after destroying the Seahawks and destroying, what was it, the Titans last week, uh, if Lamar has a poor game, whatever. So long as the process doesn't look abysmal, there's no reason to get worried because he's built enough, what, uh, benefit of the doubt, right? Yeah. With Tyson Bagent, he is a rookie. Anybody that expected legitimate competition between a third-year starter, former first-round pick, and a UDFA rookie was asking way too much of the rookie. That is just a massive mountain to climb. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. So what I like is the fact that Tyson Bajant is attempting to fit the ball into NFL windows. That Mm -hmm. corner ball that he tried to fit to DJ Moore that Moore didn't come down with? Right idea. Like, Especially if we throw that just a touch, a hitch earlier, DJ has that much more time to try to come down with it. A lot of these throws, uh, this may may draw out some bad comments. I I hope not. Know that I mean it well. A lot of these throws just weren't getting attempted, Nick. Like, whether they were throws underneath, whether they were throws into the corner, whether they were digs over the middle in tight coverage, the ball wasn't even attempting to go in those guys' direction. Now... You can't throw picks on them every week. And especially right. as the team continues to lose, that's only going to make tensions worse. And it might get contribute to getting your coach fired, which is not anything that I think any player really wants to be a part of. But like you're saying, yeah, five turnovers doesn't, I don't know, scare me when it comes to this Bears offense or Tyson Bajan's performance. He's a rookie. If this was Caleb Williams and Caleb Williams threw a bunch of these same interceptions. I would not really change my mind about him, g- assuming that this is like that normal part at the start of the season, Nick, where this this kid was playing, what, he'd just been come out of preseason games this like week two or week three of his career. Nobody would be freaking out. But Tyson, of course, didn't take over in week three. He took over in week seven. So his week three is week nine, and everybody's just ready to boil over when they see Josh Dobbs lead his team to 28 points at a dub. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but
1: that's that's also not fair too. It's because not like, okay, fair. The, well, well, let's
0: let's look at let's. I'm look trying at to paint Toon. the picture of how unfair people are being. Yeah, you know but am like, saying,
1: but, yeah, no, I get you. Yeah, but this is, I mean, because yeah, expectations need to be lowered. But like this is the perfect week, Robert, to talk about this because we have so many rookie quarterbacks with little to no experience starting this week. Mm-hmm. So like, let's look at Clayton Tune. Clayton Tune started for Arizona. How many they played Cleveland. He score? Okay. What's up? How many points did he score? <laughs> Zero.
0: How many um, yards did they get?
1: Oh, man. Uh, well, let me tell an the individual, then I'll go into the team. So Clayton was 11 of 20, so 50%. 58 passing yards, two picks, sacked seven times, and lost a fumble. I mean,
0: Browns defense, is, but dang,
1: right? <laughs> well, I mean, because the Saints, I would say, are top 10. Browns are better. Browns are probably top three. But that is, that is like JV level quarterback yeah, then ain't play. good like, like it like it's bad and there's some right now like Aiden O'Connell's playing right now so we can't look at his stats um yeah Dobbs came in with very little practice and you know and did well but Dobbs has been an NFL player for a while he started many games already let's look at again another quarterback that's not a rookie Brett Rippon right played
0: against Green right. Bay today Brett Rippin, I mean, actually, I didn't mind him at a Boise That's State. a UDFA quarterback, though. This right, is yep. the comparison. Now we're talking about a veteran UDFA quarterback. Yep. And what did he right. do against a Green Bay defense we know is just not that impressive and just traded one of their primary corners. Yep, yep. 13 of 28, so less than 50%,
1: 130 yards, one pick, one sack, um, two
0: fumbles, and lost one of them. Oh, man.
1: They scored three points.
0: Oh, man. That's terrible. And as a pod plug moment, not that this matters, but I just watched this. Daniel Jones just dropped back live, and his knee just buckled, and he went straight down. So that is not great news for the Giants. Just as an aside, uh, couldn't not talk about it because that was oh, that was not good to watch. But anyways, like you're saying, like you're saying, we are putting starting quarterback expectations on Tyson Bajan. And he's, you could argue Nick, if I went this far delivering at just underneath the Heineke Foles like Minshew grade quarterback. And Mm -hmm. as a rookie, that's a great bar to hit. The the expectations just should be in the dumpster. Like they really should be, you know what I'm saying? I mean, mean, 18 of 30. So again,
1: I mean, not, Amazing percentage, but it's better than some of the guys we mentioned. 220 yards. I mean, 7.3 yards per pass. Two touchdowns. Three picks. We talked about that. Two sacks. I mean, Toon got sacked seven times. um, 70 rushing yards. And he lost one fumble, which was the last play of the game. And, And some of the turnovers, honestly, like at the end, and I say this with Justin Fields, too. People are like, oh, well, he's not clutch. He turns it over late. I'm okay if you turn it over late to try to win the game. Like, I don't want you to be so conservative that you can't even convert third downs or you're not even going to try to put it into windows because this is the time you have to do it.
0: Right. And I mean yeah a lot of them were misfires like the the ball to what was it uh tyler scott over the middle i think that was int number three like that's behind his guy the ball to mooney was open and it was either late or it didn't lead his guy enough i think if he leads mooney anymore mooney's eating a shoulder to the face and so the ball's probably in the right spot it's just not thrown a little fast enough like whether that's velo or timing, but we got one look at these things. The all twenty-two will give us a much better picture of what's going on. But it's so but, funny, Nick, because all of these were, for the most part, the right idea. A receiver I would want him to throw to again. We just mm-hmm. misfired. And for as much as we would come down on different quarterbacks for throwing horrible interceptions, it's so funny because then on the other side, like I, you want to know what I thought was his worst ball of the day? Worst ball of the day, accuracy wise. You know what it was? The, the post to DJ Moore? The touchdown to Cole Kmet. Like, ah. that ball is on far and away the wrong shoulder. Like, yes, Cole Komet's Y-Leak is supposed to wheel up, but once you see Mm. the safety kind of camping out on the route, you're supposed to convert it to more of like a corner wheel and put that ball on the other side of Cole Komet. but I'm using this as a segue to also talk about number 85, because I'm sorry, like, somebody ate their Wheaties today and looked like a weapon. I mean... All the fantasy guys, you're going to know this, talk about how tight end breakout age is between 25 and 26, and so I've been wondering if the 24-year-old Chicago tight end was going to show us a little something, and for the first time in his career, Chicago, like Cole Kmet just decided he was going to body this poor safety in the end zone and pulls down a ball that should probably be an interception probably should have been the first pick of the game. And I can't help but think that that is a great encapsulation of how both at at, at all levels of football, if you have the right idea and you throw, you give your guy a chance, you just never know what's going to happen. And sometimes Mm -hmm. maybe a guy like Chase Claypool, who plays a little smaller than he is, is going to let you down and a ball is going to end up picked that should have at least hit the turf. And other times your tight end is going to make one of the best catches of his career out of absolutely nowhere to kick a game off. Right. And I I applaud him for throwing the ball because you don't hit any of the shots that you don't attempt and kudos to Cole Komet for honestly just having a phenomenal game top to bottom.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so one question that, I mean, so I'm with you on the Cole Komet one. That was a bad shoulder. I was shocked. Like I literally it doesn't happen that often in games. I was like, oh my gosh. Like I right. couldn't, cause he, he mossed him. It was awesome. <laughs> and, if you, and if you look at his technique, everyone. So right before that ball gets to the catch point, he leans in a little bit and then goes up, which gives you a little bit of separation, puts the defender off balance. Like it was perfect veteran move by Cole Komet. And then he mossed him, which I was like, okay, that's shocking. The second touchdown to Cole Komet was a great ball by Tyson. That was great yes. touch. And as you talked about, like, Sometimes when you have DJ Moore or, I mean, back in the day, we could say Brandon Marshall, like every ball, mm-hmm. Alshon, Jeffrey, like you're like, mm, I trust my guy. I'm going to throw it up. And it's not a 50, 50 ball. That's going to be a 60, 40, a 70, 30 ball. I mean, with Brandon Marshall, I felt like it was 90, 10. Like that guy was going to come down with like everything. Him and Alshon,
0: um, Alshon came down with the ball or with some balls that Jay Cutler even would describe in interviews as when it left my hand, I, th- I said to myself, yep. That's pick number three, and also I would come down with it yep. anyways. Yeah,
1: super. I mean, honestly, like if his hamstring held together, like he would have uh, a, such a different career uh, for Chicago. But anyways, <laughs> one question I have for you, Robert, is something that bothered me during the game. Which you know, a lot of things bother me. The second pick over the middle, mm-hmm. I thought that should have got replayed. I thought that hit the ground. Oh man, uh, I was so. And- Yeah, go ahead. I mean, did you think because I mean, there was we didn't get a good angle, but it looked like there was movement and he came down and it was right there. It wasn't like I didn't think it was super clean and we didn't get any like delay. I was like, okay,
0: I I didn't give it a second thought because obviously Tyson Bajan had just thrown an interception. And right now things are so contentious in the fan base that I was more thinking like I have to I have to tweet something. I I I feel so weird about the state of things right now because my hot take that I don't think is all that hot is that neither of these quarterbacks seem to me like the Bears quarterback of the future future. Like Tyson's a nice have because he's a UDFA quarterback that I think has shown quite a bit of moxie, uh, which I hate that word. Usually that's a word used to duplicate. Uh, or it's, it's used to replace lack of having something else to say. Right. Right. But Tyson's got that blend of he's actually pretty athletic. In the wide world of things, he throws the ball with a hellishly fast release and he reads defenses and plays with conviction. The conviction can get us in trouble when we didn't read the defense right, which is a very normal rookie problem, right? Like usually I have experienced or I've seen a lot of rookie quarterbacks that they throw it, what, 35 times a game and they throw – 30 really good balls and they throw five. Oh my God, what are you doing? What are you doing balls? And mm-hmm. today, most of Tyson's ended up getting picked, which, Hey, that's life with a rookie quarterback, right? Yeah. But well, I mean, because
1: you look at the three, the four games he's played. Okay. Came in relief against Minnesota was okay. through a really bad pick. Remember to mm-hmm. the, to try and win the game and it didn't work out. Well, had a very clean game against the bad Raiders team, not asked to do a whole lot. And then the chargers game in this game. So like he's played like a rookie good moments and bad moments, but honestly, there's always going to be turnovers with, with young
0: quarterbacks. And he's still trying to figure out how his arm fits into all these different NFL windows, his legs. He's feeling it, man. But like at what time can he release the ball to get to somebody? People keep bringing up the D two thing. Let me ask you this, Nick. I can imagine that the transition between what is open in the NFL and what is open in D2 is actually not getting enough play. We are acting like Tyson Bagent has finished his development or this is what he is in some capacity, but the difference between the range of the inside linebackers at Colorado School of Mines and the range of the inside linebackers at the NFL get really crazy when you remember how, just how different the range is between Micah Baskerville on his practice squad that he's been throwing against, and Jermaine Mm -hmm. Edmonds, let alone other teams inside linebackers that seem to be at producing a little better, and that's just I'll, I'll leave it at that. The point being, if we can all as fans recognize that the difference between a starting level player and a backup level player is pretty emphatic, imagine the difference between he didn't play in the SEC, he didn't play in the WAC, he didn't play in like the all of or the American Conference, he didn't play in the SEC, he didn't play in any of that, he didn't play in any of that, he played in D2, and that's not to take it away from D2, it's to say. I, it is literally only because Justin Fields has this fan base so twisted up and, and as he should, I mean, there's nothing worse for a fan base than being hot and cold and then getting hurt in in yep. terms of just where it leaves the fan base. Because if you don't what it, Justin Fields, just like we saw last year, Dick. it right now, so far, would you agree with me? His season has been very, you're going to see what you want to see. If you want to see a franchise quarterback, you have two games to make that argument. If you want to see a guy who's out next year, you have two games, or you have two to three games where you can make that argument. If you want to see a young guy with promise, you can just use a mix of both games. And Mm -hmm. it means that everybody is so impassioned right now that Tyson Bajic comes along, and we can't really put that passion anywhere. It's still bleeding into every time we watch a UDFA rookie quarterback that you nailed this man. Should be should be getting compared to Clayton Toon. That's yeah. the comparison. Yes. Like, that's who he's weighted against. And it's not a competition between those two. No. Instead, it's a competition between him and NFL veteran Taylor Heineke or NFL veteran Joshua Dobbs, who's now st- Joshua mm-hmm. Dobbs has started a playoff game. He started <laughs> nice. with eight games this season and then got called into action in this one, a ninth game. Like these guys have experience. These guys know what they can do. These guys have already hit all their bounds. Most teams don't let their quarterback go out and test these windows live and in person in like in games. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean,
1: I mean like we all we could do too is we could compare him to Tommy DeVito, who is now in, as you said, because Dana Jones got hurt. I mean, he's two of seven on the season. Oh, I'm sorry, he completed one pass today. He's three of eight on the season for nine yards right I mean that's I mean like those are the guys you have to compare him to and not to say that I mean could he develop into something sure but no matter what happens here Chicago found a gem in a cheap backup quarterback with promise I mean this is like you you mentioned some guys already. you could also mention like Case Keenum a guy with a ton of reps a little Love smaller Case. size good with timing He had that one great season, but like there is value in finding that kind of player and having them on your team.
0: Right. Exactly. And honestly, the Baygent thing is taking up just a little too much airtime because look, I get it. He's the current first quarterback. But the other piece to this game that I feel like goes, um, I don't want to say understated. It's not understated, but like Nick, the other thing that doesn't help anything is that there's this shroud of the future that's just hanging over this season. Where the moment they lost to Green Bay, the moment anybody started to say, Oh my God, are we this bad? (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the moment we got there was the moment that the Bears, like succeeding, that there became a band where they could succeed too much. Like, if anything, the desperation of this Bears organization is reflected by the fans and vice versa. And I didn't think there was any move that described that. Better, Nick, in taking a rookie corner that's been very up and down. And we'll see. I'm sure they're going to try to pin this thing on health. I'm sure they are. But Matt Eberflus, with the game dead even, decided he'd rather have second-year UDFA corner Jalen Jones, who's been kind of balling. It's not actually that big of a slap to Tyreek Stevenson to take an experienced corner and say, I know what I'm going to get if I put Jalen out on the game. Go take this specific, like, go take the flat away so that I can call more cover two and not worry about it. You're in. But all the same, you could feel, if you felt what I did, that Matt Eberflew saw he had a real shot at this one and was going to put everybody in the game that he thought he needed to to do what he could to secure a win. Did you get that impression?
1: Well, besides left tackle.
0: That's just their weird <laughs> decision thing that I'm <laughs> but with yes, you. I mean, stay, stay
1: with your point. Yes, I agree with you. I mean, and they um, they mixed in sweat as much as they could, too. But yeah, they were. I mean, this is Again, we're talking about jobs on the line. Like, this was a big deal. Big deal. And for the team. And kicking it on the fourth and four from your own five or whatever it was. Like, I was like, "Mm, are you going to get the ball back? And they did. But I also was like, I was a little surprised by it. But, yeah, this this was, like you said, I mean, every time there was a third down. I would say this out loud even to my, my, I watched the game with my dad. For everyone out there, I don't watch every (laughs) game with him. So it was, it was kind of nice to spend some time with him. Right. And it was third down and I'm like, Oh, it's Michael Thomas. One-on-one with Tyreek Stevenson. I bet you they throw the ball there. And I'm going to be completely honest. I think that Carr didn't play as good as he should have because he didn't continually pick on Tyreek Stevenson because that's what other teams have done. And on on one of those routes, by the way, Thomas had a whip route and he was wide open. Oh yeah. Stevenson like was turned turned around. So, I mean, yeah, maybe that's a sign of I need to put in a guy that's better right now for to to sacrifice a little bit of the development or future because we need to win
0: this game. Right, and I mean seriously, there's a whole separate conversation on supporting a corner. I'm not trying to say that everything the Bears defense has to be has to like that the bears are doing on defense has to be geared towards supporting a young rookie corner. But the moment the bears weren't able to pressure with four, the difference in how you're going to go try to develop that corner. It changes a lot. Like I'm thinking back to when the bears were developing Jalen Johnson, just to use an example, that was back when the bears still had Khalil Mack, Hakeem Hicks and, What was left of the 2018-2019 defense and so you didn't have the greatest defensive line in america but at the time relatively fresh angelo blackson among a couple of others was a pretty spry defensive line and you didn't end up leaving dbs in positions like what kyler gordon got left in on the bears second touchdown where we're going to send six on a blitz we've got five verticals and 5 DBs in one on one man coverage and Alave gets the chance to make and complete a second move that can't yep. happen from a defensive scheme perspective and I can't help feeling maybe I'm just DB like maybe I'm just soft on my DBs but like there are so many people that are going to look at that and they're going to say Kyler Gordon sucks, and I'm like, yeah. "There's that's way too much space to cover. That's way too long to ask him to cover it in that setting." Gordon does a great job through Olave's stem, assuming a curl route is coming, converts it to a whip. We got to have pressure by then. That's the yes. whole reason you send a blitz. Well, right,
1: but, but exactly, like, like think of and this is going to bring up some really bad memories, but the the point is the same. Remember the Chris Conte play? Yes. Okay, fourth down. This is the season for Green Bay. And we blitz. Julius Peppers doesn't hold contain and it allows for a second move for Randall Cobb and he goes for a touchdown. It's the same thing. If you know a blitz is on, you know it's less than three seconds. It's all I got to cover. So I'm gonna drive on the first move. It's the same reason why, like against Minnesota, why fields is getting sacked a bunch because we were doing double moves. And didn't have time, and he got sacked. It's literally right. the same thing. And so, yeah, you can't put that on Gordon, who I think rebounded well in the second half of this game. But yeah, you can't put that on him. And and if we're talking about just pass rush, I know people. There, there's definitely people out there. They're gonna be like, "What a waste! Trading for Montez <laughs> sweat. it didn't change the whole defense, <laughs> and we're all the sacks and the pr- you know it's out there, Robert. One oh, I do you play a ton of snaps today. And from what I saw, I saw him collapse two pockets, caused one incompletion. And honestly, if people didn't notice this one, I, you need to go back and watch this play. He saved a touchdown coming from the backside and chasing down Taysom Hill from behind and tackling him. It was an unbelievable play. And this goes back to our pod last time where we talked about He's 6'6", six, six, 260, runs right. a four four one right.
0: and caught, takes some help from behind, coming from the backside. That's an amazing play. Oh, yeah. I mean, Nick, what's so funny is the more film I've watched, and I'm going to see if I can't put together some kind of like visual breakdown so that we're not just talking to pod listeners. And I'm asking you, use your theater of the mind and experience what I'm trying to tell you through this microphone. But Montez Sweat's film is so funny because, if anything, he is sometimes too long and too big for his own good. You look at guys like Rashawn Gary, you look at guys like Khalil Mack, you look at guys like, um, I'm trying to think of another electric pass rusher, because Miles Garrett doesn't fit the mold of what I'm talking about. Let's use Chase Young, when Chase Young's healthy. Their arms aren't so long that they can still generate an awful lot of power when they do burst off the line, and they're small enough that they've got more juice, like per, let's say per pound right cuz they're closer to what 250 in many cases 255 instead of sweat who weighed in at 265 at the combine and if you if you're seeing what I'm seeing dude's at least 275 right now yeah. like that's a that's a big dude and it's part of why he is a boat anchor in run defense he's by PFF just so not everybody thinks that it's just Robert's eyes telling him this PFF has him graded as the second best run defending edge in football behind only Max Crosby And they've got him graded as the top 30 pass rusher, like number 22 edge overall. But the main thing that I see, this goes back to what we were talking about about Tyson Bayjit, Nick. It's a problem of expectations because Mm -hmm. everybody saw them trade for Montez Sweat. And what do we do, us Bears fans, when we see somebody, the Bears trade for somebody, we're going to immediately start comparing him to Hall of Famer because this is what people do. And so yep. all these Hall of Famers, what made them Hall of Famers? Their pass rushing abilities. And I'm not trying to tell you that Montez Sweat is a bad pass rusher, but he is kind of like Gervon Dexter. You think that's a decent way to put this, Nick? A pocket yeah. pusher. He is, yes. he is a problem creator more so than he is the opener and the closer rolled into one. Like yeah. Rashawn Gary and Montez Sweat, I would argue, are two opposite ends of the seesaw where Rashawn Gary doesn't give you on first and second down what Montez sweat will. And when you combine those two downs with what he can still give you on third down, you get a very, very, very good defensive end that I'm glad is on the bears, but you don't get a third round specialist. You don't get Bryce Huff. You don't get epic strip sacks and huge one-on-one wins at the rate that you get them with a guy a little more like Rashawn Gary. Mm -hmm. And, it just means that you're going to end up with people who are going to go, "What the <laughs> heck? I can't well, believe it! This Bears defense, our Tom Watson was supposed to fix everything."
1: Yeah, well, and, and and let's and let's talk about this for a second, okay? Because I know I know that's the big comparison, and it. It just always is. It's always bears Packers. It's, it's always, always it's always bears. It has Packers. to be well, colors not as good as Rodgers. Yeah. Like one so person NFL is at that level. Like it's expectations. But let me ask you this, Robert. Okay. Yes. What is the issue? If you had to say one thing, what is the issue with the Packers defense over the last five years? Run defense. And and that's what Drushawn Gary isn't great at. And Correct. so again, like, yep, we got these corners that can do this, and we can get after the quarterback, but you know what? It's third and three. It's well, third and two. I mean, it doesn't it's, help well, anything. They got a first down after two rushes. Like that. Like at some point, people have to realize that what happens on the NFL football field isn't Madden. No, it isn't fantasy football. Even though I write for a fantasy football company as a football coach, the run game and stopping the run is becoming way more relevant than it was five years ago Ooh. than it was 10 years ago. And so we need to respect what setting an edge is, especially with these outside zone teams. It just messes the thing. everything up and having the length to be the backside guy on that. And when you can cause it to be second and eight or second and nine is a world of difference in play calling.
0: That's the thing. There's going to be somebody out there that's going to think that I'm being a Bears homer when I say this. And so call me out in the comments if this is what you think. But I really mean it, that paying Montez Sweat $25 million in a deal that will age relatively gracefully, because this isn't the same $25 million that Khalil Mack got about, what, four years ago now? Like, it's a... a I saw that as a comment, and I'm like, you can't do that. It's a completely different percentage of the cap which is a real positive. I actually thought, Nick, and I was trying to imply, I thought Montez Sweat was going to take 26, 26 and a half AAV from the Bears because I thought he had the leverage to do it. And so Mm -hmm. I I can't believe I'm saying this, but yeah, I'm pleased that he just kept – or that Ryan Pauls was able to keep it under 25. But more to the point of what we're getting at, he is the kind of guy that could be a huge problem with Shanahan style wide zone running teams like, you know, Green Bay and also Minnesota and also Detroit, your division guys, in what they like to do cuz he can take away edges that I mean literally no other defensive end in football can. Yep. What you need to support him is a better version of Yannick Ngakwe. I actually mean that yep. very seriously. A third down specialist. Somebody who's going to start who's going to spark quarterback movement because as soon as you put that quarterback in protection mode montez is good enough to clean that up he's just not the fastest guy to the football and because he's not i mean you've seen this nick if you don't get that quarterback off his spot in probably two and a half seconds or less like he threw the ball already for the most part yeah quarterbacks are so good at being on schedule and and to
1: to compare it to bears fans like of of past Bears players that you guys will remember, he he reminds me way more of, and again, just a slightly worse version of a Julius Peppers, Don't use Adewale Gomleyer, <laughs> of an Alex Brown. He's way more of that edge than he is Robert Quinn yes. and but both players are super valuable. That's the thing that people get so caught up in this whole thing, and and I even made it this. You know, comment, you know, all of the crazy comments that came out there of polls doesn't have a plan, and this is a nine-game rental that I saw from Packers fans and Vikings fans and Detroit fans trying to have fun of the Bears. Polls did have a plan to sign him. This was going to happen the whole time. This was not a trade for this year. This trade was for the next four years.
0: Look, you get some smart NFL people, and I don't know what they were talking about. I don't know what. I have to name names. I have to. One of these days, maybe it'll be me getting named, and I'll look like a doofus. But Bill Barnwell and Andrew Brandt are both very blatantly insinuating that the Bears could have just signed Montez Sweat in free agency, despite it being known, it being public information, that the Atlanta Falcons had a deal done to bring Montez Sweat in, And sign him. So if Montez Sweat wasn't getting to free agency, how are you going to replace him? Like, how are you going to replace Montez Sweat's run defensibility and also pass rush productivity? Because that's the thing, right? You can find a DeMarcus Walker out there who's not as good in the run game as Montez Sweat. But let's move aside for a second. What What is DeMarcus Walker giving us in the pass rush, Nick? Open question. Is it much? Not much. Nope, not much. It's the fact that you get both out of Montez Sweat. You get Mm -hmm. a, maybe not quite Daniil Hunter level, but an extremely good edge two. Extremely good edge two, low end edge one in the pass pass defense piece. And then in run defense, you get this exceptional player that I actually thought did a lot to help the Bears today. Like the Saints offense has a, a bad habit of shooting itself in the foot. They need no help. Uh, stopping or like going three and out or just flailing on drives at different points. There's something to be said for, I thought the Bears DBs, specifically Jalen Johnson. And yeah, Jalen Jones played pretty well down the stretch. They did a lot to keep the game close. Like you're saying, I think Kyler Gordon is making it very plain that, yeah, even when you're the worst hooting quarterback in the NFL in 2022, you will get better because DB, that's the plan. You are going to play your worst football as a rookie. There is just no two bones about it. And then in your second year, you should look much more capable. We didn't see anything from Eddie Jackson. I'm trying to go down the laundry list of defenders. Yeah, if you can't tell. It's fine. Uh, we didn't see Eddie Jackson do much besides miss a couple tackles, but we never do on the all 22. Playing free safety is not kind. Well, he had that ankle.
1: one against Kamara where he did not want to tackle him no, at all. No. And Kamara got five extra yards. I'm like, Eddie, come on, man. No,
0: I, I can't help but think that his ankle's still not right. I mean, it's totally just my opinion, right? Yeah. But the fact that it's been such a problem to this point means that I don't trust that just because he's cleared to go that that ankle is 100% or ever will be again. I mean, we know how this goes, Nick. Like yeah. what NFL players will go through to get back on the football field because that is their lifeblood is pretty intense. And so for well, a and, safety, and, yeah. And who's and who's 100% right now in this season? Like nobody. Like Maybe nobody. I mean, you know, especially like, somebody like Josh. I mean, for crying out loud, you want to talk about how hard it is to play in the NFL? Jaron Hall didn't make it a quarter, if memory cool. serves. Like, that's And that's wild. not to point a finger. That's not to point no, a finger. No, It just looks so much easier to run around there and take some NFL hits than you think it is. And then all well, of this, a sudden,
1: yeah. So, I mean, digressing back like five minutes. Sorry, everybody. No, that's but, okay. Um, Let's yeah, go around but, a- the Andrew Brandt thing, or whatever. Uh, he's
0: yes, go at him. He
1: works for the he worked for the Packers. Okay, yes. so like let's just let's just talk about the implicit bias that he has there. But Anyways, like moving on, you got to know so, better. You were in the front office, like yeah. But with you, if you hate the Bears, then you're just gonna crap on the Bears whenever you have a chance. But d- so, you're not
0: gonna say things that are wrong. Right? That's am, what am, gets clicks, Robert. Come on. People Nick, want clicks. doesn't am, matter why. I, am I the one out of bounds here for having done nearly as much research on the Packers offense as I did on the Bears offense before putting something out about what I thought would happen in Green Bay around Jordan Love? Like, is that the weird thing? Should I have just said Love sucks and ridden with that? Because it is insane to me, this idea. I get it. The Bears could be a punching bag. And even more so, when you punch the punching bag, this massive fan base out of Chicago will just swirl around you and make it fiscally worth your time. I get it. But it is bizarre to me how many people across the NFL, like, I thought it was hilarious because you had this one sector of the NFL that rose up and said, Oh, wow, it's totally a bad move. Lol Bears, can't believe anybody ever thinks that doing a deal with Ryan Pauls is a bad idea. And then you had this other sector of the NFL, like, writing audience that basically looked at the situation and went, I don't understand the kerfuffle. This is a good deal and a good move. And it's just weird to me, like you're talking about, because I want to be open to criticism. I want to be open to learning. I bet you feel the same way I do. But so many of the arguments that are deeply anti bears around Certain pieces of this team. I'm not talking about the Chase Claypool move and stuff like that, especially post motor mortems where things are a little more obvious. But yep. even in the moment, it's like, what's that argument supposed to be? Like, how's that supposed to make any sense? I don't
1: know. They're like, they're like, Bears fans, have this make sense. It's like they added a good player at their worst
0: position. Like, with tons of cap it... space, it's not like good players. How does that end- not make sense? It's not like good edge players hit free agency. I mean, I like the deal hunter a lot. If you're looking at this saying Daniil Hunter is the solution at, or in free agency and, and just Daniil, by the way, then I just want to ask, like, how how do you think that... <laughs> I would right. be down, by the way, if they did want to, to bring Daniel in also, it would be a lot of money. But if you could get him on totally. like a two-year deal, like two, year or two years of guarantees with maybe a third or a fourth deal or a fourth year after that, especially if you could do like a one and a half in the world of guarantees, you would have an older defensive line. But you're probably looking to replace the defensive line down the road anyways, so you're just buying time. The guy's going to be a placeholder for you. Right. I mean, and then like you look at even like last year.
1: Right, Bradley Chubb went for a first plus a fourth, fifth round swap, so more than a first and got you know at the time reset the market or whatever at that contract level like, but that's not looked at terribly. it's only because Chicago did like to me, it's like I thought it was like, I mean, I don't like losing picks,
0: but he does, but this like, guy makes sense. it's a second round pick and. They, it, the Chubb deal and the Sweat deal are pretty much the same. And so I, I'm not trying to sit here and make some argument that the Bears gave a discount. Let me use another example that's going to get people like it's going to be a half transition uh, as we talk about Valus Jones a little bit. I'm still convinced that Valus Jones is the cheapest version of the LaVisca Chenault Cordero, or Cordero Patterson mold of player that we've seen but the bears get all kinds of heat because the guy is walking turnover (laughs) and i can't explain it like i mean i had somebody who i love in the bears world that asked me is valus jones the worst football player ever the answer's no like it it does get worse but man nick if you're his coach his results have to be so bad at this point that it's just outright worrying you know what i'm saying
1: like in the in the same realm, like this is what you always have to go back to. So if the Bears need a position, who else is the answer? David Bell is that the answer? He went in the third round of that draft. He's has four receptions on the year. Okay, are we going here? Do you want this to be Jalen Tolbert? Like, like I, I just get like people just constantly like it's like there's always answers out there. Where are they? The where, argue- where where are we going to solve defensive end if you don't get Montez Sweat?
0: The argument that I think would have been made then is the same argument that I would still, I guess, make today, which was that I always thought the second DB selection didn't make a lot of sense. You knew the Bears needed receiver. I thought that they rolled the dice on seeing if, look, my guess is that they thought Alec Pierce was going to get to 71, and he didn't, mm-hmm. right? But that was my guess, too. But that's, a, that's still a pretty big L when you then have to go take the next receiver on your board, and like you're talking about, you're out of viable receivers. You know what I'm saying, and that's okay. I'm not some epic huge polls hater, but at the same time, with the way that the team is trending, I don't know what decisions the Bears are going to make, and I'm not going to stand in the way of whatever happens. Here's exactly what I think, Nick. I'm I'm,
1: I'm surprised. Yeah, because I mean, no, because I'm I'm with you because if we look at it, so they took, uh, they took Brisker at 49. No, I'm looking. I'm looking at what. So they took him. After him went, again, people might not care about this guy, but went Taekwond Thornton. Right. Then went Pickens, then went Pierce, then went Sky Moore, and then no other receiver went until it was Velas. And then after Velas was Danny Gray,
0: Jalen Tolbert. Uh there's one more in there, right? Danny Gray,
1: you said him. Um Eric as Kuman. As Kunama for Miami. (laughs) Romeo Dobbs went. (laughs) Calvin (laughs) Austin went. So, but anyway, so yeah, I think, I think they thought one was going to fall, but let's, let's also turn back to this because everyone is going to stand on their head and be like, George Pickens that I wanted George Pickens too. Yes. But also, did you see what George Pickens put out? It's the same thing. thing? Bears have this line of this character thing that they don't want. So what if it was Sky Moore?
0: Well, it had to, it had to be Pierce. Is kind of what I always go back to. Right. But would right? you be happy with how they're producing right now? I'm not that, that happy. Second round pick? That's the thing, right? The funny part about when you talk about Alec Pierce is that it's not like Pierce has been this otherworldly receiver. He's just been pretty solid, right? And so you end up with Pickens being the obvious producer. But that falls into that Jalen Carter category of would he be this productive if he wasn't on blank team? And I mean, Mm -hmm. Chicago is a great example. I want to also see if I can thread this back into something you were talking about earlier, where you talked about everybody wants one guy to be the answer. uh, And then they want to promote that one guy to being maybe a little better than he is. Uh, Also, people keep trying to take a team game and make it an individual game. We keep trying to take a game where 22, it's closer to 28 when you factor in not only primary special teamers, but also like if you start in 11 personnel, but you play a lot of 12, your second tight end plays a lot. You, if you're running the ball with Kari blazing game, getting 30% of reps, Kari's going to play a lot. You've got a base linebacker that doesn't play a nickel and a nickel corner that doesn't play in base. So you're like adding guys and adding guys yep. and adding guys. And what would you say? Probably 31 players probably make a game day impact. That's, legitimately Mm -hmm. noticeable every single week and we want to distill it to when you have one wide receiver your passing game is set and when you have one quarterback your passing game is set and when you have one left tackle your offensive line is set and when you have one pass Mm -hmm. rusher your defensive line rules and it's like look at look at any of these good teams like you you can probably name at least two if not four San Francisco defensive linemen, and you don't watch San Francisco Bears, like Bears listener, like Arik Armstead, Nick Bosa, and is Dre Greenlaw still on that team? Or... Dre Greenlaw, linebacker, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, and now I'm forgetting. Do they line him up as pass rusher here and there? Anyways, they had another guy... They had another guy whose name that I couldn't pronounce. Uh, I can't remember, er, but he shifted teams very recently. The Jets are loaded with guys. The Eagles are loaded with guys. The Bears eventually need to be loaded with guys. And Andrew Billings plus Montez Sweat is a good step in that direction. And maybe Gervon Dexter will move into that starting lineup one of these days. But there's still a defensive line under construction. There's still a team under construction in many cases. Yes. The, the problem is to tie what has become kind of a windy offseason conversation back into today's game against the Saints, Nick, is I would argue that the Matt Eberflus regime needed a different result today to change the tide of everybody in Hallis Hall beginning to think about nope. the offseason. Do you nope. agree with that?
1: No, no, I, I agree with you, but I want to go back to your, your other point because perfect. Here, here's where I think Football, okay, is a game of attrition. Like there's injuries that happen all the time. All the you time. need guys to be fresh. You need rotation. You need different package players. That's where you were getting at. And last year, literally stripped down the team to studs. Like like in terms of a house, and we didn't really have any studs. If we're being honest, like like you're building this thing back together. And one reason why I had some hope this year is that the Bears had something called the depth. Like they they had at least. Some depth where it wasn't a guy's hurt and you're just signing street free agents to play DB, which was what the end of the season was last year. Like eight, you have linebackers, like you talked about Sanborn, like that's a quality backup linebacker or you have this quality dollar. tight end. Like that is going to help lift your team up. So you have like winnable games and Robert, we've even touched on this Chicago outgained the saints today. By 67 yards. They averaged more yards per play. They had a better time of possession. They had a better yards per rush by 1.7. They had a better yards per pass by 0. 0.5. They were six of 12 on third down. The Saints were seven of 14 on third down. Like Chicago, by every statistical category, was there, except for I'm going to point out two. Five turnovers and they had eight penalties. And the saints had zero turnovers and they had one penalty and that made a huge difference. But Chicago was in this game. Mm -hmm. Like we were talking about, we wanted the bears to be, at least be competitive. Despite those numbers of turning the ball over, they were competitive in a game against a good team. And like that
0: speaks, I think to some of the depth that we're getting to me, this is the story of the 2023 Chicago bears. Look, it is so easy, so easy for podcasters to turn on a microphone to hit record, and to say, the team rules, the coach sucks, fire the coach. So easy. So when I end up doing this, Nick, I want to make sure it's plain, that I know what I'm talking about, right? Because this 2023 team and this Saints game, perfect encapsulation. This team has talent. This team has juice. This team has an $18 million backup linebacker that he got hurt, and they filled his shoes with a reserve linebacker who quite literally performed just as well, if not may have had a better day in some categories. Mm -hmm. Because especially with the Bears' run defense and the way they attack the flats with their linebackers the way that they do, you could argue that Sanborn being a better tackler than Edmonds and a slightly better anticipator plays to the Bears' favor. I digress. The point is, the Bears' offensive line... It's got guys on it, and it's got some guys that kind of suck, but they only feel the brunt of that on certain run packages that they keep kind of calling for a reason that I won't quite understand. We won't get into it. The point is, Nick, you can't help feeling like this Bears team, pound for pound, stacks up with NFL teams much better than the 2022 version did. You can't help thinking that if Shane Steichen was coaching DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney, we'd get them looking like this, like Saints, Darnell Mooney, plus Buccaneers, DJ Moore, more often, don't you think? Like the fact that you'd swear you get one or the other. This Cole Kmet's been in there this whole time. Where's he been? Why can't we bring him onto the field the same time we bring everybody else onto the field? And I don't think that's being overly optimistic on these players because I'm not trying to say, Nick, that they're, I don't know, better than their role. Like, Cole Komet, at this point, is a top 10 tight end. That's not as high a bar to clear as people keep wanting to make it. There's no. only so many good tight ends. Right. And Cole Komet's right there in that 10th to 8th category off of raw statistical merit. And Darno Mooney is a good wide receiver too, or a requisite. Whatever words you want to use to say, He's solid. Tyler Scott is a kid with promise. And this is just me talking about the offense, man. Like Mm -hmm. there's talent across this roster. The Bears just seem to have a bad habit of finding a way to lose when they don't blow their competition out. And as silly as it is, I'm watching the Giants Raiders game as we speak right now. It is 21 to nothing and we're not out of the first half. Sometimes in the NFL, you show up, they don't, you annihilate them. And against the Raiders earlier in this season, that's exactly what happened. Against the Commanders earlier this season, that's exactly what happened. But games like Green Bay, where you got a tight contest that unravels, and what should have been close becomes a blowout. Or a game like Denver that even was a blowout, Nick, and it unravels, and it becomes a game you lose. These are way too common with this Iberflus regime. And I can't help thinking that, yeah, As standard internet as it sounds, you give the reins to another head coach and this same group of talent or the same group of guys adding a little more talent in free agency and a little more talent in the draft are going to look a lot better and a lot more competent come Mm -hmm.
1: 2024. Yep. And and here's the thing too, and and this is going to be a little divisive, but let's say... Chicago wins a few games here and there and they don't, they're not in the conversation for a top two quarterback and they stay with Justin Fields, but the coaching change happens. You add in Marvin Harrison, Jr. Or Malik neighbors, Keon Coleman, you know, wherever you end up another receiver to this group, right? You add in one of the tackles, you sign a couple guys here or there with a new scheme, new coaching staff, whatever. I feel like it's a very different Bears team.
0: Absolutely. And the question with that would always be that if you're sticking with fields, are you going to get more Minnesota fields games? How many Minnesota fields games are you going to get? Can your team remain competitive? If especially once you start pushing for the playoffs, because this year, the 2023 Bears, you don't get expectations this low this often. Can we be so honest, Bears fans? The Bears schedule that they have played is going to look every bit as bad as, schedule, as strength of schedule indicators have suggested, it is the Buccaneers looked like they were a solid team. They're not a solid team. The Packers, when we played them, looked like they would be. Uh, it would be another good year in Green Bay. It has not been another good year in Green Bay. The Denver Broncos could not win a game until they came to Chicago, and now they can't <laughs> win another game. <laughs> I guess they did beat the Chiefs last week, but yeah, they've won two in a row. Do, do, you, want, do you want me to go through Tankathon quick uh, about about the current schedule or about the Bears yeah. right now? Well, so,
1: so here's the one interesting thing is, is Minnesota has won five of their last six games and they've won all four games without Justin Jefferson, which is shocking. By the way, they're they're playing decent ball.
0: That's a joke. That's a joke on the Claypool thing. Uh, I got you. So Claypool is a problem though. Cause what is it? Claypool goes to Miami and now Miami can't find a way to win games. Right.
1: But he had a, he had a couple of of bad plays
0: today
1: as well. (laughs) But, um, so um, I I made a list of who I wanted to win today. I did not want Minnesota to win because that's going to hurt the Bears' strength of schedule a little bit. But anywho, um, Green Bay winning helps because they had two wins and the Rams had three wins. So that helps out. So they're a two-win team that's now bumped up. The Giants, they're down by 21. They're not I don't winning think this they're game. Winning. They're going to be there. But that bumps up the Raiders to a four-win team. So like you keep playing this a little bit. You talked about Tampa Bay. They've lost four in a row. I feel like they're going to find a way to win if Indianapolis can continue this and win, that bumps them up in Carolina down there, like, you we're going to keep picking those off. And there's only going to be like right now, Chicago has picks two and three. Arizona has picked one. and New England and the Giants are the only other two win teams on this schedule right or uh, right now in the NFL. And so the odds continually just keep increasing that the Bears are going to have two top five picks here.
0: Absolutely. And the only reason I'm talking about the strength of schedule as much as I am in this case isn't actually about the draft. It's more, Nick, to point out that the Bears are not only a team that is not winning many football games, but they're a team that is not winning many football games on a road that probably should have won a lot of football games by now. Like, the the difference in talent and execution level that it would have taken to be five and three at this stage – it's not that, it's not that wide, but instead they're two and seven, two and seven. And the only way that they've won games is by scoring 30 plus points. And I don't think that they've, it, it's, it's defense, it's offense, it's both. And it's both that seemingly shoot themselves in the foot ad nauseum. The bears on first and second down, like SpongeBob muscle meme. The bears on third down, SpongeBob weak man meme. Like, it is, it is wild to see these third-down problems continue to persist, and they persisted again today. I'm frustrated. I bet you're frustrated. And the worst part is, if we audit the roster, I'm not that upset about any of the guys that are in the future picture. The problem is, I guess for Matt Eberflus, that you get this game against Carolina next week, where if you lose it, you might be gone. Like, I've, I can't imagine a game that is going to give a coach less credit if he loses that game you know what i'm saying oh wow
1: yeah that would be <laughs> yeah okay or so less credit if he that wins game. was
0: what i was i think trying to say i got it backwards like winning carolina he needs what, to win yeah what does that prove though like beating the raiders theoretically makes people turn their heads and go whoa you beat a three and three team maybe we have something they are Well, actually i guess they're on route to being four and four now huh <laughs> like so, yeah. I, hopefully, yeah. But but not. also like because it's Carolina. Then it's
1: at Detroit, at Minnesota versus De- or Detroit at Cleveland or the next four.
0: Right. So it could get nasty, and yes. I'm not surprised. By the way, had a conversation with somebody in the DBB pregame uh, space about this, where they talked about Polls's ringing endorsement about me, about Matt Eberflus. I mean. Nick, you've been in these coaching rooms. You know who aren't doomers? Coaches. Coaches are the ones who say, two and six, we're going to finish the season eight and seven, so I'm not worried. Have you seen the schedule? Minnesota doesn't even have a quarterback. Like, we're going to win every game except for the one that we're going to split with Detroit, and then all, or and then we'll figure out the last two games of the season or whatever. Like, they had two losses on the schedule that they could give, but you get it, Nick. Like, that's how coaches... Talk. They're sitting well, there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I had this conversation with a coach last week, and 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 this is this is about high school ball, but I think it applies everywhere. Is I have never Robert ever, and you can apply this, I think, almost to like people that play fantasy football mm-hmm. or whatever. How many people say, "Hey, I'm a I'm a bad coach. I'm I'm bad at this." I'm gonna guess like, a solid no, zero. Nobody says they're bad. They they say we don't have the players. It was injuries that you always hear why you didn't succeed. And this is said excuse. This is said excuse. You don't see, you know, Bill Belichick making the playoffs with Matt Castle or I'm sorry, winning record. He didn't make the playoffs winning (laughs) record with Matt Castle. Like there are teams that have injuries and they still win Baltimore. They get beat up all the time. They still win the chargers injuries. They find a way to charger themselves. That's the difference, in my opinion, between good coaching and everyone else's coaching. And then there's bad coaching is that they find ways to win despite the circumstances. Right. And bad coaches, which is what we have right now in Chicago, don't find ways to win almost no matter what.
0: Right. I mean, to use your example, it would be easy, easy for Miami, who in 2022 who had an exceptional start to the season. Their first 11-12 games, they were phenomenal. Tua starts to get hurt left and right. They even lose their backup quarterback in Matt Moore. Suddenly, they're left starting Skyler Thompson. Would have been easy for them to say, it's a bummer that this is how the season turned out, but I guess technically we are in the playoffs. We're going to do our best. Lose, what, 10 to foot 30? Like, I've seen this a lot. Haven't you? No, that, that was a close game. Against the Bills, they lost by three. Yeah, Skyler Thompson. Fails on fourth down to close the game out in a thirty-five to thirty-eight banger of a football game that I'm pointing out because Mike McDaniel did not lay down, and the game that he gave Sean McDonough uh, or Sean McDermott at the like in the playoffs was a fierce game, and instead the Bears say say what you will about Justin Fields, can I bring up something equally damning, Nick? Whether it's Justin Fields. Or Tyson Bajent, The Bears have been so abysmal. Passing to win in the fourth quarter. Despite whatever they do. At offensive line and wide receiver. That you have to wonder. If there is at least a piece of the pie. That the coaching and the offensive coordination. Has to own. Because against the Vikings. Tyson Bajant had multiple opportunities. To lead that game winning drive. Did it happen? No. Against the Saints. Four opportunities. INT. INT three and out, uh, or fumble, or sack fumble. Couldn't, couldn't have worse results. And right. a lot of that is because you aren't getting results on those key first two downs. We could say what we will about these picks. I think both of them came on third down. Uh, and then the, right. the final one, the sack fumble, that came on second and 20. It's not a surprise that until mm-hmm. the game entered like gotta have it mode, Tyson was willing to take L's on downs. Pass the baton, get to the next down. Maybe something opens up for us. And as soon as he ran out of patience, right, which he's probably talking to his coaches, his coaches are probably telling him, hey, hang in there just a little longer so that we can try to make a play. Unsurprising, but it did not work. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm more pointing out that we don't know what the coaching or what coaching is going on in these rooms, but it would be unfair for me to not point the finger at the coaches that are leading these quarterbacks that it seems like they enter what uh, Andrew Siciliano calls the witching hour and become unable to pass the ball.
1: I mean, it was when, when I just checked at them, they were like second, and nine, second, and 15, third, and nine. Um, I Passing mean, it, it was downs. all long yardage situations. And even in those long yardage situations, there are teams in the NFL that succeed despite they oh, yeah. find ways they move the pocket. Like, Andy Reid's got a crazy, you know, people get mad at his short yardage packages when they don't work, but he also has really cool plays that do work. Like coaches find ways to win, and the offensive staff, I mean, I would argue the defensive staff right now is finding ways to succeed. I mean, despite the beginning of the season, but the offensive staff is not.
0: I don't want to take anything away from the defensive staff because they're certainly doing fine, I guess, right? But it doesn't surprise it it feels like it's notable to me nick that every time they go up against a quarterback of repute they get buzzsawed and when they when the defense looks like it's sparkling they're playing trey lance they're playing brian hoyer they're playing jimmy garoppolo they're playing sam howell well well, how about today though so today's a great example i thought today i kind of thought the saints were cutting through him like butter until they got to 24. And if you're talking about, well, what about when they got to 24? That's when the Saints had the lead. They're implied or it's they're implied by the scoreboard to run the ball more, which just plays into what the Bears want to do. Right. Like, I mean, I mean, I mean,
1: Derek Carr is coming off of three straight games of 300 yards or more passing. And he right? ended up today with 211 average 6.2 yards per attempt, which isn't crazy. And to your Two point,
0: touchdowns. they just wanted to check it down all day. And yeah. that definitely resulted in a couple stops for the Bears. But did you ever feel, Nick, maybe this is just me being a negative Nancy, but did you ever feel like, man, I trust the defense. They got this. Or did they just pleasantly surprise you a few times? I mean, they... I'm not okay. trying to put you on the spot. Because... Well, you're fine, but you to think of, like,
1: where did they get the ball? Like, if you want to talk about the game, I mean, they got the ball and the Bears... Wasn't there some weird stat like they had every snap in the fourth quarter in the Bears territory or something crazy
0: would not like, surprise me because like, whole- like
1: first first half. Bajan throws a pick. They get the ball at the 45 and they go in for a touchdown. Yep. Okay. That, that's pretty fortunate. Other than that, they had a Well, then they had a 75 yard drive. That was their big drive for a touchdown. Okay. And then second half Bears fumble. They get the ball on the 39 Bears hold them to a field goal. That's pretty good. Um, let's see Bears punt they get the ball at the Bears 47 and they get a touchdown they get the ball at the Bears 38 turnover on downs the sneak Um, I
0: still can't believe that they actually went for that by the way that like, was
1: that was so stupid like field goal. There were a they,
0: couple of those. Like Dennis Allen wanted to lose this game. I mean, the oh, fact that they the fact that they declined the third and two holding call that allowed Tyson that was weird too to run for the first down that the Bears ended up cashing in on was just uh, weird. amazing
1: play by Bajan. An- another Hilarious. one, they after that, um they punted and then the most weird face mask penalty I've ever seen on Bayless Jones when yep. he's been held the entire time down the field. They get the ball starting at the Bears 36 and they miss the field goal. Like the Bears were in like backs against the wall the whole time, the defense. And I thought they played pretty well.
0: I thought they played. I, I don't want to take it away from them, right? Any day in the NFL where you only give up 24 points is a pretty good day. It's, it's a slightly above average offensive output, but you've just added Montez Sweat. I don't know. You. I'm pretty ambivalent on the defense. I don't know if I really want to pump too much fist. But at the same time, Nick, oh my gosh, Dennis Allen kept like 10 points off the board. Minimum. Like, I mean, I'm not trying to be Mr. Just kick the ball, man, but like one score game and Dennis Allen doesn't want to make it a two score game. That's the most anti defensive head coach thing I've ever heard. That, that to was me, weird. That feels like pressure to trust the analytics, but not understanding why you're supposed to trust the analytics in the first place, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. therefore, like. I would be curious as to what the win probability said about what the better move was, because that's the rare situation where field goal makes a lot more sense oh, yeah. to me. Right. And it was like it was
1: a makeable too. Like if I look here, easy it was goal there, easy field goal. They were they were at the 17.
0: Oh, yeah. It was a chip shot.
1: What are we doing?
0: And I mean, it doesn't help anything that then later in the game, they uh what is it? The the Saints kicker. I feel kind of bad for, him, but group hitting that uh it was funny seeing the goalposts come up with two huge stuffs today. Let's just put it yeah. that way. Because right. Cairo Santos couldn't have hit the pipe more square. And then like the, what is this? Groupie hits it square too. And I was like, wow. Like
1: I, I can't believe I can't believe Santos missed, honestly.
0: I I can't, but these things are bound to happen, right? Like, I bet you we'll go back and we'll see somebody getting up high enough that Santos tried to curl it around the hand, happens, or something like that. I don't know. Generally speaking, a kicker who's on doesn't just.
1: I mean, it was a 40 yarder, and he's been pretty. And it was on the right hash, which is the hash you want to have it on for right-footed right footed so kickers. You pull, you have to push. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Um, so a little good news, if we want to talk about a little good news. And yeah, now we're I starting to wander.
0: What yeah, are the well, final to be? Because I feel
1: like we're going to be done here soon. But when's our next pod, the uh, preview?
0: Probably what? Oh, gosh. I guess we're doing another Tuesday afternooner or something yeah. like that. Like, you okay. and I'll figure out the schedule, but we'll work around all 20 Tuesday so that we can do. Man, I hated that last short week. So we got another yeah, one. It's
1: not fun. But but the, the positive here is. um Looks like Justin Fields is probably going to start that game. I think for him and for this staff,
0: he has to play that game. I mean, they got to play somebody at quarterback, right? And uh, watching the snippets that we're seeing from this game, oh my gosh, the Panthers are so bad. And I'll knock on wood because the Bears would really love it if the Panthers lost to the Colts here. So, for those who haven't looked at the Colts or the Panthers schedule, for how so. My favorite part, Nick, do you feel this way? My favorite part about cheering against the Panthers is that if you're a super hyper pro Justin Fields, Justin Fields should be the QB1 next year person. Or if you're looking for a new quarterback and you're the most anti-Justin Fields person on the planet, everybody can agree the Bears getting number one from, from Carolina is just a net good. Like, there's, there's nothing in that, right? We saw the game-changing value that the number one overall pick can have last year when the Bears, I love stating this. It's just one of my favorite things. So I'm gonna take this opportunity to do it again, Nick. The Bears traded the idea of number one, the privilege of drafting number one for DJ Moore, Darnell Wright, Gervon Dexter, the potential number one pick the year after that, and the second round pick in 2025 of whatever happens to Carolina all just for that privilege to take Bryce Young and pass on C.J. Stroud. We're not going to get into that. The point being, Nick, that like, gosh, it's the only reason we're upbeat about this franchise right now, right? Well, oh, like, like,
1: like, like, imagine, I mean, imagine it's like Bryce Young for insert Drake May or Caleb Williams, whichever one you want. It doesn't matter. Let's say it's the pick number two. It's whoever's left over. It's it's him You'd for still them. It's still almost all haunt. the other things like it's it's ridiculous what what could happen for Chicago. So it's uh, and, and also Carolina is down 20 to 3 when in a game of I mean, this is a game that they could win because the Colts aren't great. So this is also good news. That's for the, that. That's my for favorite
0: that part. Like, I understand that not everything in the NFL comes down to style points, but when it comes to hating the Carolina, not hating, but cheering against the Carolina Panthers, the the Carolina Panthers. If they lose to the Colts, and especially if they lose to the Bears, they will have games against the Cowboys the, Titan- er, the Cowboys, the Titans, the Buccaneers, the Saints, the Falcons, the Packers, the Jaguars, and then the Buccaneers again. And only like, what What did you hear, Nick? Two of those games are like knockdown, drag out. The Panthers might potentially win this game. I'm looking at you. Yeah green bay and if you want to go that far you could say maybe they've got a better shot against tampa than they do others but that tampa game's away so all of a sudden you're looking at a panthers team that's just got a really tough road to winnable games because they've already lost most of the games that were really truly winnable They don't play the titans for the rest of the season and every other team on their roster here or their schedule He's going to be pushing for the playoffs so we can reasonably assume that everybody, again, except Green Bay, who kn- who knows what Green Bay is going to be doing, but most teams don't really turn towards the future until that very, very end of the season. And the Packers do visit Carolina, but that's way too much pod in a post game pod for, about uh, the Carolina Panthers. Right. It's, it's more to point out that the bears have pretty solid little situation developing And actually, I think that's what makes this more weird for Matt Eberflus, don't you? I can't help thinking that it's, they play, let me see, I gotta now check this one more time, but they play the Panthers, then they get a mini-buy, they play the Lions, they get a, not a buy, but they wait an extra day, they play the Vikings on Monday night, then they get a buy, and then they face the Lions, and I'm I'm gonna hit you with a hot take, I'm going to hit you with a hot take right now, Nick. Are you ready for this hot take? Yeah. If the Bears beat the Panthers, lose to the Vikings, or lose to the Lions, and lose to the Vikings, to a quarterback that just joined the Vikings like four days ago, recorded now, I believe it will seal Matt Eberflus' fate. I don't trust this Bears organization, nor do I expect this Bears organization to fire Matt in season, but I think that's where they'll turn the page. If they were going to turn it,
1: yeah. So a couple of things. One is uh, polls gave a lot of confidence to to Flouz in the press conference this week. But in my mind, what is he supposed to do? That's what a boss I mean, should is, do. I mean, I mean, you you can't. Well, I guess we'll have to see how it goes. It causes way more hot water than he needs to. But also, speaking of, and this is again not bears, but this is too good to not talk about. So Josh Dobbs in his Vikings press conference that just happened. I just have to read this tweet. It's amazing. What did okay. he say? So he said that Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell was essentially translating the calls and mapping out the plays mid huddle. Badass. As as the play clock was ticking down, Kevin O'Connell called Dobbs's ability to handle it all, handle it all one of the most impressive things he's seen in the career. Dobbs didn't take one single snap with the offense in practice this week. No snaps with the center. Never threw passes to anyone. Didn't even know most of their names. He's like, that's for next week.
0: (laughs) Honestly, man, I eat those stories up. That reminds me of everything McVay's ever done. And a lot of things that he who shall not be named did for another. He who shall not be named in Chicago that I'm just not going to get into where it sure seemed as if Nagy wanted Mitch to grow out of that. But that Washington game stands out in particular where they ran straight up college offense. How not look at the sidelines, new signals, get back to the ball. But it is it's so cool hearing stories like that of coaches just bending over backwards to make something work and then getting rewarded for the effort.
1: That's and then and then. And then they won. And the Falcons are not a bad defense, by the way, y'all. I mean, yep. they're they they got some players. So that was a uh, that was pretty impressive from Dobbs. But just again, just back to Chicago. I mean, it's um, I think his fate is already sealed. I mean, it would have to be a straight up miracle finish. I think the rest of the way here for Flus to keep his job.
0: So that's so this isn't to take anything away from you. I'm trying to think from the perspective of George McCaskey and Ryan Poles, right? Nick Whalen probably knows the league a little bit. It's not like you know it better than Ryan Poles. That's not what I'm saying, right? But because you don't have a personal connection with everybody on the Chicago Bears, you're not going to look at them with the same rose-colored glasses that a lot of the guys in the building will. They know Andrew Billings. We like Andrew Billings. They just paid Andrew Billings $6 million guaranteed. Might be beans beans and peanuts to us because we look at this all in a relativistic lens, but you get where I'm going. Mm-hmm. It's once the Bears do get swept by the Lions. It's once the Bears do lose to the Browns. It's once the Falcons do beat the Bears. It's once the Cardinals maybe do steal a win against the Bears. Even the Cardinals with Kyler Murray, that they're gonna. St- that I would argue, opinions are gonna start to change, because mm-hmm. right now I bet they think that they could punch the Lions. The Bears did not seem like they were scared of the Chargers. Maybe they should have been, but they weren't.
1: Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, they didn't they didn't seem prepared, but I mean Detroit's a really, really good football team. I agree. And 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 we'll find out how how good this defense is. I mean, because they, they've played better. I sure. mean, you talked about not doing well against um best quarterbacks. I mean, Herbert is there, but I mean I mean it's tough to envision the, the Bears getting many wins over the next oh, yeah. four or five games besides Carolina and that's really really gonna I mean how, how do you how do you be like you know what nope if, if, that's if the Robert thing. If, if you're fluce,? okay and I'm Pulse, how do I be like well yeah we just
0: lost our, our fourth in a row but you know Robert's my guy that's the thing that's what I'm trying to say don't let me charismatically convince you the Bears have it in them to win these games I'm arguing people in the building think they will so when they don't that's when the axe is going to start to fall does that make sense? Like they, they need to see, we can sit here and say, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you dropped this game or you dropped this game today against the Saints team that you just had them. Like you probably thought you were going to lose this game because it's a trip to the Superdome against a team that defends its house. Unlike nearly any other team in football, which is just bizarre by the way, but it really, they really do. But Mm -hmm. instead you go from a 17, 17 game where you even feel like you had the better team in the first half to almost literally throwing the game away. You can blame it on the rookie quarterback if you want. That is not much of an excuse. Saying, oh, well, the UDFA rookie, he threw it away for us. Any decent or, or boss is going to look back and say, you're going to blame the kid that we cut Nathan Peterman for? Like, right. you, we had a veteran. You didn't tell me you wanted a veteran. Oh, you P. told J. me you Walker. wanted the kid. Yeah, yeah. Y- yeah we cut PJ Walker. He's winning games in Cleveland right now. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter that it's against against Clayton Toon. They lost their guy too. Why is our guy losing games? You yep. can't blame this on Tyson, right? And so then you've got the Saint. So you got the Saints game. You obviously got smoked in public by the Chargers. You're very unhappy that you still lost to a Vikings game, or team that you had right yep. where you wanted them. And then going further back, Denver, still mad about Denver. Like still mad about Tampa, and if mm-hmm. this org is going to be ritualistically mad about anything, it's Green Bay. so yeah, I think I think the bonfire's built, and they just need those final matches. well well let, let let's flip this, Robert how
1: how do you how do you sell this to a fan base, to a team, to an ownership that you know, you know once okay, once we get these pieces together? Then this coaching staff is finally going to be able to show you how they do it when time and again, they've shown that they can't do it. Well, despite the circumstances, despite I'm going to go for it instead of kicking the field goal. despite this, despite that going on, they, they haven't shown the ability to. So how how do you sell that story or believe that story if you're polls?
0: So all I can say is that I watched George McCaskey Green Light, Ryan Pace, and Matt Nagy running it back in 2020. Like, what felt as if it was a foregone conclusion that those two were going to get fired after the 2019 season. Uh, no, it wasn't. I watched them run it back in 2021 is what I'm remembering. Like, 2020 was bad, but you kind of needed to run it back then. It's 2021 where I think all of us were like, wait, wait a minute. What? We're not looking for a new head coach and quarterback. And then things turned out pretty predictably from there. And so I don't know if they're going to need a good reason. Like plenty of Bears fans told themselves they were a playoff team in 2022. And so they don't need any help selling themselves on the Bears at this point. But I can't help but think, Nick, that to the greater point of what you're trying to say, there's going to be a lot of public pressure to make a move. And as silly as it sounds, I think public pressure forces a lot of people's hands. Because Mm -hmm. public pressure drives season ticket revenue, at least in some capacity. And as soon as that stuff starts hitting the bottom line, oh, yeah, you start getting different decisions. And so
1: that's also going to help free agents want to come to Chicago. It's going to help, you know, your players development. It's going I mean, there's a lot of things that it's tied to. The one thing that it's going to hurt is, you know, the money you have to pay the coaching staff to leave. I mean, we're not going to be as bad as Mark Davis has it right now in right. Las Vegas, but you're going to have to pay because the coaching contracts are guaranteed. But I, I think it's a necessary thing when you've had a, a season and a half now where you've seen a really, really, really bad uh, NFL team and coaching.
0: Oh, yeah. And I mean, we're looking at the Raiders right now. You want to tell me that coaching doesn't matter in the NFL? They've rebrand or they rebounded from a couple of lifeless showings, and now they've got Aiden O'Connell up 24 to nothing on a New York Giants team that is listless. Look, it's not as simple as fire everybody, and it's definitely not as simple as, hey, I want the Bears to be good, therefore Robert's calling for them to fire Matt Eberflus. There's nobody really on the staff ready to take up the mantle of head coach, and to be honest with you, Nick, I don't really want them to. Like, at this moment... The moment that I decide the season's over is the same moment that I decide, well, Matt's doing such a good job of losing me winnable games that why do I want anybody else running the ship until the end of the season? Just because, yep. like we've said countless times on this podcast, I want to succeed or I want to fail with no in between in this 2023 season. I can't have it in me to cheer for Bears' losses, but I can be content when they happen. And that's I think where I've reached. This game. That, ended, well, that was today. This game ended and I went they, Yep, that's about right.
1: <laughs> yep, I mean they 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 played well and it reaches the point in my mind I'm like, "Oh man, like draft pick win. like yep. that goes through your mind and then the loss I was like, okay, to be expected."
0: They took Also,
1: g- by the way, we have to point this out. I believe we both picked the Saints to score 24 points. We did. Didn't we? <laughs> I think I was I think I was 24 to 13 is what I picked.
0: Tyson Bajit, and the Bears offense overperformed both of our expectations. Don't yeah. ask about the turnovers. We didn't we didn't say anything about the turnovers, right? Yeah. Like if anything it is hilarious to me looking at uh, Bajit and a couple other cuz like say what you will. It's so funny. The Bears might have won this game if they make Okay, so I understand that I'm reaching really hard but you could say the ball bounced against the Bears more than it bounced against the Saints just because of the DJ fumble, right? Like, DJ Moore doesn't traditionally fumble in that setting, and so you get a little bit of the same yak magic that normally drives and fuels what makes him so great, and it bites him in the butt, and that's going to happen every once in a while. But so you take the DJ fumble out, you take out the missed field goal, and suddenly, maybe, Nick, the Bears are competitive, if not won the game, like given the rest of the way things work. It's so funny that even bajants critical four four turnovers may not have been the hole in the boat at the end of the day if a couple other things went their way. But mm-hmm. what I'm describing is how we talk about a backup quarterback game, right? Yeah. Like, well, like like, like if,
1: if DJ does catch the one in the end zone, and he doesn't fumble that one, giving them basically points or a touchdown. Chicago could have won the game, which is, like, shocking.
0: Your guys always have to come up big for you, especially when you're not a franchise quarterback. And Mm it should be okay for us to say, Tyson Bajan, as of today, is not a franchise quarterback, and I don't expect him to become one. So every time he takes snaps for the Bears, I'm excited. He's learning. You would hope that every pick leads him to not throwing the same pick again. Right? Like yeah. I, I've heard so many coaches talk about that, Nick. Where it's like, I expect you to make every mistake in the book. I expect you to never make them a second time. Yep. And so there's going to be plenty of quarterbacking mistakes for Tyson Bajan to make. But like we're seeing with other rookies across the NFL, you keep them in the rotation. You keep them in the QB two spot. They get better. They get a lot better. And so well,
1: that's, that's that's that's. I mean, you talk about backup quarterbacks in the NFL, like and developmental quarterbacks. Tyson Bajant is up there. I mean, you we could go through the list at some point. We don't have to do that right now because we're probably into the pod soon, but like probably. I mean, I I, I mean, our other he's better than I would say another 10. So he's probably a top half, maybe back I, with quarterback.
0: I thought you phrased it perfectly when we collectively found uh, that the perfect statistical comparison to his first couple games was Aiden O'Connell, because I would argue that Tyson Bajant looks to me like a third or fourth round draft pick that the bears basically found off the street. And so does that mean that he's got starter written all over him? Does that mean that we need to over-exaggerate what he is or isn't? I don't think so. I mean, third or fourth round quarterbacks still have a low hit rate. (laughs) Yep. It's not a guarantee that he's even a successful backup. And successful backup, by the way, I don't know if you feel this way. It's kind of a misnomer because I've ar- I would argue the top half backups in the league are like quarterbacks number twenty through thirty six. Like it's not a fair list because a oh, little a- around a third of the league is starting a young kid with promise that if you slapped an overall grade on him, well, is Daniel like is Zach Wilson better than Andy Dalton? Is a- or is Anthony Richardson? Better than Andy Dalton? Is Gardner oh. Minshew worse than Desmond Ritter? You get what I'm saying? Where it's yep, like, yep. you get some of these quarterbacks where it's like, well, that's a standard NFL quarterback. That's Case Keenan was a backup forever. Was Chase Daniel a worse starter than, I'm trying to think of like a, Sam Darnold would be a, a good like one, yeah. two.
1: Well, it's because of what they represent, right? Like a young quarterback exactly. represents potential future versus how good it, or right. quality they've. Their play there is right now, and so I think Beijing gives you a little bit of both. You a know little. what I mean? Like he gives you some hope because he's young, but he also gives you a, a better floor than some of the the quarterbacks we talked about today, like Clayton Tune, etc. Right.
0: Another thing that I'm frankly excited for. Okay, so there's one piece to this pod I want to end with, and I can't believe I'm going here, but I guess I'm going here because uh, it's polarizing, right, Nick. I really like Ryan Poles. If Ryan Poles, uh, if I had to pick somebody in the Bears organization like that wasn't a player that I wanted to talk about liking, I have really appreciated Ryan Poles' overall vision for how he wants to spend money, how he wants to allocate resources. Given the direction of the franchise, given a couple of PR pieces to this whole Bears puzzle that have just gone so badly. Like the Velas Jones pick is just it's more bad PR than its actual effect on the football team. But at the same time, like you get that, you get the claypool trade, you get a couple uh, they get the fact that the Dega media just keeps wanting to dunk on the Bears. Don't hear me, Nick, saying that any of this is expressly Ryan Poles' fault because what Ryan Pace or what Ryan Poles has to preside over is a really horrible record so far as the Bears GM. Yep. And so if Ryan Poles ends up pushed out the door with or with matt eberflus i will forever look back at him as the bears edition of sashi brown where yes the he got the cap right yeah mm-hmm, he got everything right so that the new guy can come in and take a hot load of credit for getting to spend the war chest that ryan poles has managed to amass and so mm-hmm. i'm not even trying because we don't really know i mean if Brian Poles was fired this early into his GMing tenure, can we really say that all these draft classes are bad? People keep right. looking at you the twenty twenty two class and I'm like, Yeah, but they didn't have a first round pick. Like, you're hoping for a handful of starters when you don't have a first round pick. The only first mm-hmm. round pick that he's ever had was better than any of Ryan Pace's first round picks. Is <laughs> is that is that true? Like, oh. I'm going off the top of my head, but Ryan Pace was the Bears GM for seven years. And like Whoa. If Dono- Were there many? What?
1: He kept trading them away, oh, remember? Yeah.
0: Uh, but even so, like Kevin White, Mitch Trubisky, uh, Roquan Smith would be the most competitive you get, and I would argue that right tackle is much more important than inside linebacker, no matter Well,
1: Le- Leonard Floyd's in there. Here, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now.
0: Don O'Rod's probably better than Leonard Floyd, if you ask me. Uh, just at least the way he's tracking, where he's going right now, sure feels Ro- Roquan. that Roquan? Roquan is in there and it's so funny because I still believe all the people like myself who, um, who were convinced that inside linebacker is not that important a position, but now Roquan's in Baltimore and everybody wants to make inside linebacker matter all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so So you, here's
1: when it started. It was Kevin White was the first one. Yep. Then Leonard Floyd, Mitchell Trubisky, Roquan. Then we don't have one because we're here for Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. So, so two years of no first round picks. Then Justin Fields, then he's fired.
0: Exactly. Rip. And so I look at Ryan Poles, and I think to myself that the roster is definitely not there yet. I like a lot of the talent on the roster, but the state that Ryan pace left the roster in plus the decisions that Ryan Poles made, made this a long road. The problem is Nick replacing a GM is pretty easy. Like, all it really does is put a bunch of the Bears' contracts in jeopardy because you're, the new GM isn't going to have the allegiance to Gervon Dexter, Zach Pickens that the old GM did. But what I'll tell you, Nick, that I think is funny is that if the Bears do fully clean house, I will not mind another organ or like another mo- football brain coming into the organization and asking the question: Is Braxton Jones good enough with an unbiased like? Yeah, view. that's true. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, is is Jack Sanborn good enough to start slash be depth linebacker for us? Probably any football brain is gonna is gonna come to that conclusion. I'm not scared of what the GM is gonna think about Montez Sweat, right? So mm-hmm. the a couple of the other pieces to this, I'm looking at you, Dexter and Pickens. I like Dexter, but is Dexter starter? Is Dexter rotation? Is Pickens starter? Is Bixter Pickens rotation? Is Pickens practice squad? Like mm-hmm. I won't mind if a new GM comes in a new GM's perspective on what's working, what's not, what's foundation, what's not. And so I'm really upbeat about the bears future because it could get that bad and it would still be quite good. If you ask me.
1: Yeah. And the the thing that I, I think bad teams do is they don't stick with something for a while because Agreed. the players, when they develop in the system that you want And then by the time you get somebody new, then you get rid of them before you know what you're going to get. So I think you, you, cause like, let's say they go to a 34, then you're like, okay, we got to get rid of all these guys to fit the four, three versus 34. By the time you get that, you don't win. we got to get rid of these guys. Like, it's just a, it's a cycle of just losing. Right. Here's a question for you though. Mm -hmm. Okay. If this is your quarterback over a full season. Okay.
0: Is he about to read me the 17 game stats tweet that I have memorized. Yes, probably not. It's amazing. Come on, okay, everybody. This is three thousand yards. It's twelve. It's three thousand passing yards. It's twelve hundred rushing yards. It's twenty-five touchdowns. It's a ninety quarterback rating, and it's a two and fifteen record. Yeah, I know a lot of it's the defense, but you can't go record. Yeah, you you have to. You have to go record a little, right? Like, can you with that? So let me use an example, right? Let me use an example. I'm literally watching the Indianapolis Carolina game. And Bryce Young is driving, driving, right? To take a game that was 20 to 10 and make it 20 to 17. What happens? An out route's a little too soft. It gets picked off. DB runs all the way down the field. I'm staring at a 26 to 10 game that has yet to make a decision on the extra point. What is that going to show in the stats? It's going to show one single INT, but not all INTs are created equally. That is a game losing play, and I think you would agree. And Justin Fields has bumble in the Denver game. And that play may or may not have completely ruined the game. And I'm not trying to dunk on you for fields. It's more like if I've got this opportunity to draft Drake May or Caleb Williams, then I'm not going to pass on it for a guy who's not thrown 3,100 yards over a 17 game stretch that we're cherry picking his best games from. You know what this I mean? Picking. This is his last 17 games. It's, it's his last 17 games that happen to include the best two games he's played and all the good ones. And we're, it, it keeps us from having to include the first six games of 2022. Like, it just so happens to start at the good part and carry us through to now. And well,
1: doesn't that just mean he's been
0: good? Does it? Not because great, good. Does it? Or has he I, been I mean- all right? I Because mean, or- it's,
1: it's, it's different. It's different when your quarterback runs for, again, so the stats for everyone that knows, someone put a tweet out. They have Justin Fields' last 17 games combined, okay? So I'll read through all the stats. So 3,088 passing yards, 1,239 rushing yards. So that's 4,327 total yards, 26 passing touchdowns, nine rushing touchdowns, so 35 total touchdowns, 12 picks, 31.3 at completion percentage, uh, 90.9 QB rating, but the record is 2 and 15. So to me, if you look at like Lamar's MVP type year or some of the, the running quarterbacks, that's in there for those stats. Um, you want to look at Jalen Hurts last year, right? That's in there. That's in that range for him. Now again, he had more rushing touchdowns because of the push Less rushing yards, you know. You you go here and there a little bit, but to me, Robert, the thing that you're, yeah, you're talking about the stats, the 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 record. I'm sorry, and you know, cherry picking or whatever. (laughs) But also, I know it's not fair. But all, but that's the part is like you have to remember, like this is with um, Mooney and Komet and Equanimee Saint Brown. Like that was his primary weapons for the majority of that too. So like. You know, he didn't have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard like Hurts had last year. So to me, like a part of you talking about the future is you could have a new GM or polls wonder or see how Fields does the rest of this year and wonder like, you know what? If I just get another receiver, uh, a left tackle and whatnot, like maybe I stay with this because And it's really going to be a discussion if you don't get one of the top two quarterbacks. But It is going to be an interesting discussion because he hasn't been, again, and this makes it the worst, terrible the whole season. He hasn't been great the whole season either. He's in that middle range where you still have to decide.
0: Right. Now, that said, Lamar Jackson, to use your example, his INT percentage, would you like to guess what it is?
1: Well, he had had an outlier TD percentage that year as well.
0: He did have an outlier T D percentage, but if you were just gonna guess his whole career's INT percentage, what is it? Um because it's on the higher band of what 2. you see. From a lot of quarterbacks. 2.2. In his MVP year, he had a 1.5. Now, would you mm-hmm. like to guess Justin Fields' career INT percentage? This has actually been stable, by the way.
1: Um
0: 3.2. 3.6. Huh? So he Justin Fields is throwing More INTs than usual. It's borne out in, if you wanted to look at the just fumbles that we've got over the last couple seasons, he's got 20 fumbles, including 2022 and 2023. Mm -hmm. I did not have the time while I was crafting this thought to go count specifically through his last 17. And he's recovered a lot of them. I don't think he's lost most of them, right? But the fumbles are there. It's more to point out, Nick, that what at least would have me nervous If I was Ryan poles is that you can, you can look at a lot of the stats and the stats will tell you what they want to, but a lot of the games in 2023 that I have real issues with are games that ended well before the final whistle. And then we picked up a little, just a little bit of garbage time statistics that blurries the picture. If, for instance, we somehow gauged the amount of yards that we gained or lost in critical situations, then Justin Fields is going to finish the Packers game with 120 yards instead of 211, right? Justin Fields is going to finish the Kansas City game with maybe 10 yards passing because, gosh, that game ended early. Separate discussion. And I'm not trying to tick and tack. It doesn't matter, right? It's more like the hardest part about quarterback is that it's an eye test position. Like, it really is. If you hate the creationist style of play, you're not going to like Caleb Williams, period. Like you won't. Or Justin Fields. Or Justin Fields. If you if you love pocket rocket quarterbacking, but you hate sacks, you may not like Drake May that much. Like he doesn't take a million sacks, but he doesn't take none, man. Like mm-hmm. any aggressive thrower is willing to sit in the pocket and then push the ball down the field. There's no one player that's going to fix the Bears. To me, the beauty of potentially drafting a new rookie, even if that rookie is J.J. McCarthy, which isn't me trying to endorse, it's more me pointing out a random name for QB3, is that, Nick, at that point, the Bears get a full off season. then they draft this kid, then they get a full off season, and then they're competing, right? Which is way too long in the future. I'm not trying to ask anybody to root for having to sit through another 2024 Bears developmental season, but at least it should be more fun, because you'll take all of the pieces from 2023. You'll take the team we rallied around Justin Fields. You'll push that in the future. And now it's really just a matter of rookie growing pains. Right? Like the oh the OG picket plan that did not work. You know what I'm saying?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's um, it, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, we're, I mean, we're getting the weeds here, I think, on this pod in terms of just but the, the, the future, the futureness and the kind of what it could look like. Um, the good news is, is that we have two very high picks. We still have a lot of salary cap space. Montez Sweat fits thirty-four, four-three, whatever. Um, personally, my my gut, and again, this is a, with my bias of being a Bears fan. I don't think we're that far off.
0: I don't think so either. I th- I think the I think the difference between a really good team and a really bad team can often be simpler than meets the eye. And I do think you need a lot more talent on this Bears team but I think that they've got talent that's becoming like they're starting to add talent in the right areas. I think a free agency to help with defensive line, maybe you catch a break and you, cause no, I won't talk about certain trades until we get there. Like that's, that's just too depressing.
1: No, um, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah.
0: But either way, Nick, let's close the book on the saints game. What, the, what is your final, final thoughts? If, if you haven't given them already on the saints game,
1: I mean, they lost, but my final thoughts are I'm, I was pleased, I think with how they played, like the defense bend, don't break, even when they're in your territory all the time. And the offense turns the ball over and you give up 24 points, which I thought was really, really good for an offense. That's been humming the last three weeks. Um, Baygent again, up and down kind of what we expected. Um I, I wish that Braxton Jones is in there longer. I mean, I mean, DJ Moore made a couple of uncharacteristic plays of DJ Moore. I'm glad Darnell Mooney was featured and he, he does his Darnell Mooney thing where he stops and cuts back inside, which I love. We have two receivers. I think that are really good after the reception. So to me, like I expected a loss. We both predicted a loss, but this loss has me upbeat about the Bears team because I see some development and see some guys making some plays.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I guess my final thought would be in the most literal way I could say it, this loss fit my narrative. I don't have to change anything. Like, I mean, the Bears hung with the New Orleans Saints for the entire game. And then the wheels just fell off and say what you will. But to me, that's more often than not a coaching issue than it is a specific player issue because the specific players and the general gist of the coaching were what willed the Bears in the first place to be so tight with a team that's now five and four. I'm not trying to make the Saints Super Bowl contenders and neither are you, Nick. This is a requisite mm. NFL team, but they were punch for punch with what is now, our, they might be division leaders, but don't quote me on that, Uh, like in on the road after getting pounded for a week uh, by the Chargers and then things spun out spun out of control. So do I end up looking at what do I look at this game as Nick? I see it as part of the grander picture. I wish we could be week to week. The NFL is a week to week league. It gets really weird when fan bases start uh, begin to stop looking at it. Through a week to week lens. Because if you're feeling the same way I am, Nick, yeah, the Panthers or the Bears play the Panthers next week. And after that, they play the Lions. And after that, they play the Vikings. And I'm already aware of all of this because it's not the specific wins and losses that matter. It's how many losses, right? Mm -hmm. Do they win two? Do they win none? Do they win one? I'm expecting one, but we'll see. And I mean, the bear season has to end. I hope it ends a way that we all end up happy with and not really frustrated with because at the core of all this, Nick and I are doing a good job of hiding the fact that this is an extremely frustrating season. This is an outstandingly, outstandingly frustrating season. And it kind of needs to end certain ways or it's, it's going to be really frustrating. Like, but I'm not going to get depressing because I'm not depressed. (laughs)
1: i mean yeah because the frustrating thing is is you're six and six and eleven
0: right that or you're four and 13 but nothing changes inexplicably right like there are a lot of ways where this could be almost good but actually bad Mm -hmm. but we're not there yet instead we're two and seven we're right on track for the bad ending but uh the good bad ending right but so until then, Bears fans, thank you so much for listening. Let us know what needs to improve, what you're loving about this podcast. Rate us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever else you're listening to your podcast. Give us a like on YouTube if you're watching us there. And enjoy the rest of your Sunday. You guys have an awesome rest of your week. We'll come back at you Wednesday morning with a preview podcast for the Carolina Panthers game, a game that has been circled on this calendar. Gosh, all season long. And until yep. then. Thanks so much for bearing with me.